Uh, my name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here, and we are coming to the end and culmination of this series called This Is Us, where we really explore who are we as a church, but also who are we as a denomination? What are the things that have shaped us over the last hundred plus years, and what is going to shape us? What are the, the central things um, that are shaping us in the future? And when we're talking about freedom uh, this morning, and I want you to do something for me. I want you to take a moment and go back to that last time, or maybe even the first time, you felt really free. Like, I know maybe for some of you parents, it's going to be like, when I had no children. Ah, right? Or for some of you, like, freedom looks like being on the beach with a book, or maybe uh, going and checking off a bucket list destination, or maybe it's just, you know, sleeping in. I know for some of you, just sleeping in and having no responsibilities. Gary Brock, I'm looking at you. Um, but my, my, oh man, the first time I remember feeling free, I was, um, I was young and I was learning, anybody learning to ride a bike without training wheels, which meant you had anywhere to go. Right? It means you could join the friends that had, uh, were two-wheelers and were going all over the place. And our uh, neighborhood was like in a T. There was only one way in and one way out, so we felt super safe, and we were all over the place. And I remember the freedom of feeling like, man, my mom can't tell me what to do anymore because she's not by me, uh, and my dad isn't either, and I'm gone. Right? Only come back when the streetlight comes on. Like, that was the rule. It was such freedom. Or then, this is another moment, uh, I turned 16, and, my, and I skipped school to go get my driver's license. While all my friends were in school, I skipped school, I dropped my mom back off, and then I just drove. I just drove, went, you know, out to lunch, did anything that I wanted to do. Getting my license was the essence and pinnacle at 16 of freedom, right? I could do what I want and go where I want with my friends. It was the moment. So I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're still in that moment saying, ah, freedom. And maybe some of you haven't even gotten your license yet, and so you're like, hmm, I don't even know that, right? (laughs) Or so maybe some of you haven't even gotten to ride a bike yet. We'll talk about that later. Come, I'm a really good teacher. Um, so come and I'll teach you how to ride a bike. But freedom really is in this essence of what we're talking about. What does it look like to have freedom in Christ? What does it look like when freedom is the, the central part of who we claim to be as a people? And freedom is incredibly important in what we're doing because uh, for many of us, we live in a country where f- we have celebrated just recently uh, being free from oppression of English. Right, And we have celebrated, and we live in the fact, every year we celebrate July 4th as the pinnacle and the marker of us as freedom to remind us that we are free. But for so many of us, that definition of freedom is from something, right? It's from England. We have been liberated from. And I want to say that this morning as we talk about freedom, that it's not just freedom from— Right? That freedom from something is just one part of it. But we are talking about that freedom in Christ is not only from, but it's to or towards. Like freedom in Christ, when we're talking about what God is doing in and through us, is not just freedom from something, but a freedom towards. And so I want to uh, walk through this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me um, to John chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, We are just going to sit in uh, two verses really quickly, and it's just going to be a place where we start and then we continue. So this is John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. 
And the, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember, let me read this again. These are Jesus' words to his disciples. If you are, if you abide in my word, he is the living word. If you abide in him, and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth. He also said he is the way, the truth, and life. You will know the truth. You will know him, and that truth, knowing him and the freedom he offers, will set you free. So would you pray with me this morning as we jump in? God, we are just thankful to be here. God, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for the breath. God, we're thankful for um, the realities that we live in a free country. But God, that doesn't mean that we are free from everything. But God, there are things that we have talked about, like Nancy talked about this morning, that are tugging at our heart that make us feel shackled. God, that makes us feel pulled away from the action, like Martha. And God, I just pray that you will come. You will bring your Holy Spirit to descend on this place and remind us of who we are and who you are. God, come in this place. We are your people. This is your house. We ask this in your name. Amen. And so, freedom. Freedom, if we center ourselves on Jesus, if we center ourselves on who Jesus is as the way, the truth, the life, and he is in his, as disciples of him, if we are free people, then freedom from, instead of freedom from, but freedom to, it is a gift. The freedom that we receive in Christ is a gift from the beginning of time. The beginning of who Jesus and who God is, is this story of this introduction of freedom into the life of humanity. That in this beautiful place of creation, that Adam and Eve were free to roam and to be with God and to be near him, to be all of creation, to name it, to share life together. This is who it begins, and this is who God is. That throughout history, we have a God who is the originator and the definer of what freedom is. Even when we mess it all up, we have to come back to this place of who God is. That throughout history, even when Adam and Eve messed up, even when Israel messed up, the story of who God is and his work in the world is one of liberation and of freedom, right? How many times have we gone through the story is that Israel is set free from captivity and they are living back in, in communion with God and with one another and then they fall back into shackling themselves back into enslavement because they have chosen to walk away from God. We ought to understand that the freedom that we find in Christ is not something that removes us from Christ, but is a gift that causes us to move towards one another. Freedom said like this, as we talk about our covenant denomination, defines it this way, that freedom is Freedom in Christ is defined by putting us back into right relationship with God and with one another. That freedom, in the true essence of who God is, allows us to be back into relationship with God and back in relationship with one another. This is the story that we hear all through the scriptures, is that Israel bounced out of relationship with God and with one another. 
her, her, choosing their own way over the way of Christ and choosing to hurt one another instead of being um, God's chosen people. But in that moment of repentance and the freedom that they have been given, they move back into a right relationship with him and with one another. Freedom is a gift. And how God understands and gives freedoms should be the thing that we seek to understand. The thing that we define as freedom should be the thing that utters from the one who created it. Not from anything else. That the way that we define freedom should first be centered on who Christ and who God is than anything else. And so if we're, if we're defining that freedom is a gift, we should also say what it is not. Because you know how I talked about at 16 when I got my driver's license and I felt free? I felt like nobody had shackles on me, my parents' rules, all the things. I could do what I want by myself. Two weeks later, I decided we were our friends were going to do our first trip, to a little uh, outing together. And so I went over and picked all my three friends up at the house, and then we started rolling around town. And all of a sudden, don't you know, as we're rolling past, uh, my friends notice as a car passes it, it's a full of other 16 young uh, ladies, and they were like, go, catch up, gun it. And so, you know, being the, the good, cool uh, friend, I gunned it. And as we're catching up to them, and all of a sudden, they're all like, hey, stop. All of a sudden, as we're catching up to them, somebody else is catching up to us. <laughs> With lights and sirens. <laughs> Not one, but two. Oh my goodness. Two weeks into it, uh, I got pulled over and my friends are not like the coolest people. One of them was wearing like the night bright lights for, on top of their head. And so they're like, sir, have y'all been doing something illegal? No, my friend is just crazy. But that moment, and I was like, I tell them the story. We're just tech, catching up to some girls. It was just fun. And they're like, sir, 24 over is not fun. <laughs> 24 over comes with a hefty fine. And not only that, it comes home with dropping my friends back off and then coming and telling my parents, uh-huh, two weeks in, I got my first ticket. Two weeks in not only got me a huge hefty fine, but it also got me 24 days without my car. Mm. Parents, I'm not giving you ammunition. But that was the rule in our house. You get a ticket, you not only have to pay the fine, but you have to um, pay the fine at home. 24 days. Every mile an hour was a day was a day without my car. It was brutal. Three and a half weeks. And that's the thing. The truth is, is that even in that moment, I thought freedom, having the car, would take off the shackles, the hassles, the hindrance, the resistance. I could do what I want. But what happens when you do what you want and you get caught? The consequences come. They come hard. And the thing is that freedom is not this idea that we are free from everything else, that we are unshackled from every responsibility. It is not autonomous. It is not independent. It is not individualistic. It's not self-indulgent. And then this other word that I had looked up twice, but I'm already forgetting how to say it. But it's to say that you are important or powerful. It is not these things. It is not to come and to say, why you over everybody else deserves the freedom to do what you want without the hindrance or responsibility that exists. And the reason why, like, we often get in trouble with this in understanding freedom is that we come in a world that allows us in a country to say that we are free. We have rights um, that we hold on to dearly. And when those rights are infringed upon, we feel oppressed. 
But this sense of his followers of Jesus, and that can be true, that there can exist that way. But as followers of Jesus, freedom is not something that creates you over everyone else. That if Christ, who is the one that is calling to be redeeming everyone back to himself, is not so that you can walk further away, but you can walk closer to Jesus and to one another. That the gospel of Jesus, this is why when I love our covenant church, that we say that one of our affirmations, one of the core tenets of who we are, is that we will have freedom in Christ. And it doesn't allow you to be on the margins or move away, but invite you closer in. And it matches up with the story of God. Every one of them is an invitation closer in to a deeper relationship with God, with Christ, and then deeper relationship with one another. Your freedom that you receive from Christ, the gift that it is, is never meant to allow you to be further away from God, to say, I actually thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me from my sin and the things that I do wrong, so that I don't have to try to earn anymore, and now I can do it on my own. That is never the meant of freedom. Nor is it to say that I have found God and now I need nobody else. When we look in scripture and the thing is, is that when Jesus leaves, instead of going off their own ways, because they're like, hey, I guess I can figure this out on my own, Jesus. They banded together. They came together in the security of having relationships with one another. That the freedom was found in being together. Not autonomous, individualistic to say, well, it's Peter's vision of Jesus. It's Paul's vision of Jesus. It's um, John's or James because we're best friends of Jesus. Like, it's not those things that instead of moving away from, they moved towards. The freedom they found in Christ moves them towards each other and not. And I think that is in contrast to what when I look at the definition of what freedom is, according to Webster's, It says the definition of freedom is the right or power to think and do without hindrance. That the culture and the world defines freedom as your right or power to do what you want, think what you want, without any hindrance or pushback from anyone else. You have the right and the power to do whatever you want and think apart from anybody else. And Christ says that your freedom doesn't say that you can be independent of me and each other, but it calls you back to be into the center of the one who defines all of what freedom is. That it is a gift that doesn't push you away from others and holds your right and responsibilities, but puts you in community with one another to the body of Christ, that you lay down your rights and your privileges and your power in order to be one with Christ and one another. And this is what makes us as a covenant church so beautiful because it says this. When you say, what do we do? If we are going to proclaim that this is us, that we have freedom in Christ, that it moves it not away from each other, but puts us together in proximity with God and puts in proximity with other, it says this, that we are better together. The core tenet of who we are, when we ended like, what are we going to define us as the people of Christ? That freedom in Christ proclaims that we are better together. And if we are better together, that means we are in it together. 
And that is one of the most beautiful things that I have experienced in Christ and in this church. This lovely, messy, beaten up uh, church that is the church is so beautiful. When we decide that we are in this together, then away doing our own thing. Pictures of things that just bring my mind is that when we all came here and started to do a workday, the workday was great here, not because we made the grounds look beautiful, but because I got to rub shoulders with people that I had just beginning to have a relationship, and it made me fall in love and endear with those who were there because we were doing this together. It wasn't saying, hey, just bring the people that are most talented with cleaning, power washing, cutting shrubs, doing that. We said, no, we're going to do it together and we're going to do it as one body. And this is so important from the beginning. Friends, this is not just a slogan that the covenant makes up that we say often that we are better together because we are in this together. It's not a slogan. It's not a catchy phrase. It is the core of what we believe as a church because we look at scripture and we say, this is the way of freedom. And it happened all in one chapter. One of the chapters that I really believe that it just kind of came out and flow out. If, if you want to do it, turn to Acts 15. Turn to Acts 15. This is the moment where uh, the church has begun, and Paul has been converted, and Paul is doing incredible ministries, and so is Peter. The church is blowing up. The Holy Spirit is descending on, and they come, and they have their first big problem. It says this. And God, who knows the heart, this is Peter talking, to the assemble of all that had gathered there. They had their like, first church, church meeting, right? That annual business meeting, they brought everybody in and they said, let's talk. Right? And they said this, Peter is looking and listening in response to Paul and to Barnabas and all those of the work that he'd been doing. And they said, and God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. And you remember, like, if you're not looking at it right now, you'd be like, Where, what, is it, what is happening? What is happening is, is the biggest moment in the church so far that they come and they're having a, they're having a debate amongst one another. Have you ever been to a church debate? Ooh, they, they, they nasty. They get real deep and dirty. People say things they shouldn't say, uh, and they talk when they should be quiet, and they're quiet, and they should be talking. Um, but all of a sudden, Peter gets up, and he's been quiet the whole time, right? He knows that person. He's been quiet. And you're like, you're waiting for that wisdom to come, and you're looking at Peter, and he's like, no, I'm just going to sit here. And finally, he gets up, and everybody's like, thank you, Peter. Get up. And he, because he thinks, everybody thinks that he's going to set things straight. This is Peter, the one whose God is going to build the church upon the rock, who's been given all authority after Jesus. is like, this is the man. He is going to set everything right. He's going to tell him, uh-uh, this ain't happening. And he gets up in front of all the Jews and the Gentiles that are present, and he said, no. The Gentiles have a place amongst our body because the Holy Spirit has descended upon them. The same Spirit that was over on Pentecost and landed upon all of us disciples and Jews and all those that were present there. That same Spirit landed upon them now and is the evidence that we need to say that we are better with the Gentiles than without them. Thank you that, Paul, that Peter stood up and said that. Otherwise, we would not be here today. We would not have access. That Peter lived into the freedom of Christ and saying that we are better with the Gentiles than without them. This is the truth that we say today here in the church, that we are better with you than without you. Those things that happen at church meetings or amongst the church that should divide us, we say, nah, that ain't going to happen. 
The things that are not going to divide us are the peripheral preferences and maybe some of the convictions that we live into as the broader church that we see. Those things shouldn't pull us apart. They should actually call us to be better together. Not because we think we can do it better than any other denomination, but we are looking at the church of Christ here in Acts 15, and we're following the example that they set by saying we're going to be better together with them than without them. And this is the beautiful thing of this church. This is a beautiful thing of the experiment called the covenant. is that we have chosen to be in it together. Where you feel like you land on baptism, whether baptizing babies or adults, we say you can find both here. Where you think women should be speaking up or they should be sitting down, where they should be ordained or they should not, you can find a place here. There's room for you here. Whether you believe in end times that it's going to happen pre-millennial, amillennial, post-millennial, whatever you believe, there's a place for you here. That thing isn't going to say, go to another church that believes exactly what you believe. No, come together. We are better together. And you know what the reason why? It's because when we go to a place that says you can only be a part of us if you believe exactly the same thing, all of our creeds, it limits us on who we see God to be. You're saying God exists in this little square box that I have created around him that says this is who he is. And the beautiful thing that I've set with over my entire lifetime of going to church, being a part of the coming of church, is to say there are people from the left and the right all that make up here, and everybody in between, and we say we are, we are making a purpose in our statement that we are better together than without you. Young, old, member, non-member, who we are as a church, as Pine Lake says, you have a place here, whether you're a member or not, whether you're tithing or not, whether you're doing serving or not, you have a place here because we believe we are better with you than without you. That's why we say we're not just a church of adults. That we have people that are loving your kids that say you're an ape at the table. We're not sending your kids away because they're a distraction. We want them here because we want them to know as well that we are better with them than without them. Things change when we decide that what could divide us is no longer going to divide us but unite us. We're going to come under together this idea that we are better together. But not only that, this is when the power of freedom in Christ really sets this church different than any other one in town. Is that when your freedom in Christ not only doesn't move you away from, but towards, that it is a gift that you receive, but it's the gift that you give. Freedom is the gift that you, get, you receive from Christ and that you receive in the fullness, and then it's the same gift that you offer to one another. That word one another is keep comes up in our church because it's the essence of who we are, that the freedom that is a gift is the one that you give to one another because freedom, when you give it to one another, provides security. Peter doesn't just stand up and say the Gentiles are in, but then he goes a step further in what it looks like to be in relationship with one another. It says this, as you continue down on Acts 15, it says this, Now therefore, why are, you putting, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? 
But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of Lord of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. That last part again. Why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on their neck of the disciples that neither your fathers nor we have been able to bear. Church, this is where freedom in Christ, when we offer it to one another, is to say that we will not weaponize freedom as a yoke to oppress and place on one another. That he says in this moment, the Gentiles were, the, the, the test that they were saying is like, you need to come and you need to eat the way we eat. You need to be circumcised the way and you need to do, change everything uh, of your daily routine in the way that we do it. You need to change everything the way that we do it. And the Jews who were saying that couldn't even do it. They weren't faithfully eating the, the way they were supposed to. They weren't all living and going to the temple, tithing and doing everything that the law commanded. And yet they were saying, no, we need to put that on you as an expectation of what it means to stay in. He says, no, are we are not only saying that we are better together, but we are not going to use our freedom or our what we believe is the tenets of what we should do and put it on a yoke and, and oppress one another that we can't even carry. The freedom in Christ that it lives out here is that no matter what we kind of, the, what you might want to put on as an oppression, where you say, like, you have to believe this, or you have to live this way, you have to read your Bible, you have to pray, you have to serve, you have to give, you have to do that, is not as a saying, an oppressional yoke. What happens when you do that is saying, either bear this weight or get out. The freedom you received when you said yes to Jesus, was the moment when he said, I know you can't bear this. So take that yoke off and exchange it for the one. Come all who are weary and heavy burdened. Allow the yoke that is light to be placed on your life and give me the yoke of heavy burden. If this is what Christ offers to you, why in the world are then we picking up the yoke that we have laid down that are heavy burden and placing it on one another? To say, unless you carry this, you're in or you're out. The most beautiful thing in a friendship, in relationships with one another, in this freedom is that we offer to each other in security that you are not in and out based on how well you carry this. Whether you believe exactly what I believe. That you give the way that I give. You serve the way that I serve. You read the way that I read. You pray the way that I pray. And unless you do that, you're out. But I offer you the freedom to say, we are a beautiful conglomerate of people that are messy, that are ugly, that do all of the wrong things here. But I'm going to take that yoke off and we're going to have the security that whether you do everything the right way or not, you will still have a place here. How many of us need to do that, not only in our relationships here, but in our friendships out of this place? That we need to offer freedoms to our friends, freedoms to our family, freedoms to our coworkers to say, whether you act this way or not is not going to be a determination of whether you are in my life or out of my life. That we say that the gift that is the freedom of Christ says that yoke has been taken off me and been taken off of you, and I'm not going to put it on you because I believe we're better together and I want to give you the security. If you're not doing it the way I want you to do it, I still am in relationship with you, and you are in relationship with Christ. This is where freedom gets all wrong. 
when we put ourself at the center and our expectations of what it looks like to follow Jesus, everybody centers around us. And it gets harder and harder and harder to be in relationship with people when you're pushing them away. But instead of pushing them away from you, you put Christ in the middle who gets all the yokes of heavy burden and gives us the freedom to move closer to him. And when we move closer to him, we are moving closer to one another. You see the beautiful picture of freedom? The beautiful picture of freedom is that we lay down our rights and our responsibilities and our powers for the sake of one another. This is who we are as a church. This is who we will be. That when people come in, whether they believe the same thing that we believe, whether they're all in tune with what we believe as a covenant, we will say, you have a place here. We are better with you than without you. And the longer that you stay, the more that you will learn that it's not by how you conform or behave or believe that allows you to be a part of Christ. It is the freedom that allows you to come to Christ that brings us together. This is who we are which is why we're messy. That's why church meetings will still be frustrating. We'll have hot moments. And we'll walk away mad. But when we allow the freedom of Christ to reign in this church, we walk away in order to come back. It always brings us back to each other and to Christ. Friends, this is the church This is who we are, Pine Lake Covenant Church. We not only receive the freedom in Christ, but we offer it. Will you pray with me? God, in all of this, I just want to send one thing. That there are people... Maybe here that don't feel free. Feel like they're carrying a weight of expectation of who they are supposed to be or what they're supposed to do that we as a church have laid on them. And God, as a church and as a pastor, God, I repent of any expectation that we put on one another. God, I pray through grace and mercy and forgiveness. we'd allow people to lay down those expectations of hurts to conform, to believe exactly what we believe to say there is freedom in this place where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom freedom for all freedom that lasts freedom that is long suffering our love for one another outweighs the disagreements that push us apart. Oh, Jesus. If you treated us the way that we treat one another, God, I'd be crushed by the weight of expectations. But there is freedom in this place. There's freedom in this place. So God, whoever needs to take off the weight of expectation so that they might breathe again, 
today is the day to accept the gift of freedom. God, and for all of us who are free, it is the charge to walk towards one another. Especially if one is entrenched and says they won't move, we don't ask them to move, we move to them because we love them because we are a one another church. It's a good calm. Be the one that brings freedom from the chains that shackle us. We ask this in your name.